Hello, listening friends, and welcome to our show where we focus on changing the world one conversation at a time. I'm Ibrahim Enawa, and this is Engage Your World. There's nothing like being out on the front lines, sharing your faith with everyday people. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with members of our leadership who participated recently in our Engage You events, one of which was at Appalachian State University, the other was at the University of Maine. Joining us today are Trish Anderson, our Chief of Finance, Bob Meisel, who is appearing for the first time, he is our Chief of Operations, and here to get things started is Matt Schmidt, Chief Executive Officer for Engage360 Ministries. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. I'm really excited to have this discussion today. Bob and Trish, I'm really excited to have you guys on and talk about the events that we just completed. Uh, For those who've been following, uh, you might have seen in our social media or email, but uh, we did a three-day evangelism outreach at Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. And then just this last week, we got back from, uh, or we were in Maine at the University of Maine doing a three-day evangelism outreach there. Uh, For those who are familiar with Engage360, you know that we're interested in evangelism. However, most of our emphasis is on doing evangelism training for people in churches and how to share your faith in everyday life. So many people might be thinking, well, a university campus is definitely not my everyday life. So how does that tie into your overall organization? So Trish, a very reasonable question. How would you respond as to how this fits into our overall mission? What I would say is that The campus is a great training ground for learning how to share your faith in everyday life. So we had, over the course of the two universities that we have gone to in the last three weeks, we had um, 900 conversations over the course of those three weeks. And so when you're on campus, we have a lot of students that are just ready to give their opinion and engage in conversations. So we put up whiteboards and we ask a question and they just walk by and they're ready to just engage in a conversation that's a very non-pressured conversation. So some of your conversations are 15 minutes, 40 minutes, uh, some maybe an hour long, and it's a really good opportunity for you to kind of learn how that conversation is going to go, learn that it's really not all that scary to be in a conversation about your faith. And, and then you're done with that conversation and then you get to have another one a little later. So if you're thinking, oh, I wish I would have said this differently or I could have could have gone in another direction, you get another opportunity to have a, another conversation. Right. So over the course of three days, which is how long we've typically been on campus, it's really a great opportunity to um, just kind of learn, observe, and it really gets you ready to go back into whatever your kind of real world um, is, and then be better prepared to have conversations in your everyday life. Yeah. So we had, I think, six of our team members uh, at Appalachian State, and then we had five up in Maine, but we were inviting people from the community. And so I think we had something uh, closer to about 12 to 15 people total at Appalachian State. And then I think we were probably closer to about 20 overall. We had somewhere between 12 and 14 volunteers up in Maine. And so some of these were college uh, age and were in other campus ministries, but most of them were members of the community. And so there still may be people listening, Bob, and thinking, you know, there's no way I could go talk with a college student. How in the world would that be possible? You know, I'm 50, I'm 60, I'm 70 years old. How would I ever talk with a college student? And Trish touched on it, but maybe elaborate and explain how 
every single one of us, including our volunteers who came out that were almost 80 years old or in their 80s, were having conversations with college students. Yeah, that's it's a great um, it's a great illustration of how well it works. Um, the the premise of it really it's very conversational. We're not going in there trying to tell them something. We're interested in knowing what they what they believe and what they think. And so, because we're inviting conversation from them, it creates a whole different dynamic. And so, even the people that came that said, "I I just don't think I'm going to be able to to engage in this kind of a conversation." found that as they stood there, they were just naturally drawn into it because the students at some point, when you begin to ask them questions, inevitably, they're going to turn to you and say, well, what do you think? And, and then um, whether you like it or not, you're involved in the conversation. And because it's not a pressure situation, uh, they're genuinely interested in knowing what you want to what what you believe. Um, it's very easy to have that conversation. So uh, we had people that were, like you said, that were in their teens and, and early 20s. And then we had uh, a couple of them that were in their 60s and 70s, and they were having a blast. I mean, they they just came several times and said, "I just can't believe how easy this is and to share your to share the gospel and to to have these kind of conversations." And so, it's a very natural way, uh, and yet a very effective way to begin conversations and 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 steer those conversations to the gospel. Yeah, the whiteboard just takes so much of the pressure off, and I'd say. Uh, you know, between both events, we maybe had four people total that I would say are true extroverts and couldn't wait to just walk up and talk to someone. All the rest of us are somewhere on that scale, a lot closer to introverted, including a few highly introverted. Bob, I remember uh, uh, the student that you worked with at App State that yeah. when he came up and introduced himself to the people who were over there, they could barely hear him talking and saying his name. And, yeah, he would hide you know, I remember you telling the story. The beginning. Yeah, and he's hiding behind the right board, exactly. But 30 minutes later, he's sharing the gospel with another student. Yeah. And so it just, it's, it's really incredible. Uh, you know, I hope it's something that more and more people get the opportunity to do. I think it's something a church, we could even have a short call with a church and teach them how to do it and, and how to go out, you know, even if they don't have someone to model it. I think the ideal is what we're able to do where we are generally pairing up someone from our team who's at least more comfortable, maybe not really well, well-trained, maybe haven't studied a lot, but are more comfortable having seen it done and then pairing them with people from the community. But it truly is something that anyone can do. It doesn't right. take an immense amount of skill. All it takes is the willingness to stand there with a marker in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had a young lady come out. She had actually intended just to come out and help us by giving doing lunches for us. And it, that was a huge blessing. Yeah, she was but fantastic. She ended up coming out and, and standing there and kind of observing and then ended up engaging in conversations herself. And that was, that was really neat to see. She didn't intend to do that, but she, she blessed us by feeding us and then engaged in conversations herself. Yeah. In yeah. fact, she said that one of the last conversations, <clears throat> excuse me, that she was a part of, um, the, one of our team members was actually in that conversation with her and she had the, the opportunity to watch this person go from a cold conversation all the way to the point of actually trusting Christ. And she said that was the first time that she'd ever been a part of that whole conversion process. And it yeah. was just really amazing for her to be a part of that and to witness that and, and to feel like she was actually a, a significant part of that process. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And our, our goal in this is to just go out there and to be faithful 
uh, to take the opportunities we have. We ideally wanted people from the community that we could help train and model and teach them how to do this and, and use this as a practice grounds for applying it in their everyday life. But we also really do want to be effective in the conversations and we do want to see people respond and grow closer to God, um, accept Christ. And we actually, I believe, had at least seven between the two events, seven, actually, no, 10, make that 10, because it was seven, at least seven in Maine, possibly eight. And then we had three at the at Appalachian State. So between the two events, uh, definitely had 10 people who came to faith right there on the spot. And I would say between the two events, it wouldn't be unreasonable or at all a stretch to say there's probably another 50 that are very, very seriously considering, have very clear action steps of what they're doing next, whether that's going and reading the Bible, whether it's reading a book that deals with some of the objections and challenges they still had, or whether it's just taking time to, to... to commit to to seeking a little more because they wanted to be sure they're making the right decision. So I think Bob, Bob, both you and I and Trish, you might have as well had some people who were right there on the cusp, but they just wanted to take time to really make sure they were making a decision they could commit to for the rest of their lives. And so when we say those people are coming to faith, we don't mean they raised a hand or they came up front. We had an in-depth conversation, most likely 30 minutes at a minimum, possibly well over an hour. And made very clear what the gospel is, very clear the seriousness of what they're committing to and what the what that would look like, and then they chose to do so. And so I don't expect, uh, you know, only God knows the heart, but we've done everything we can to make sure those aren't false, false conversions. So this being, um, Bob, especially your first time really diving into this, this approach, what would be one or two of your biggest takeaways um, that you'd want to share with everyone? Well, I think, you know, first of all, um, being on a college campus, because it was new for me, I, I wasn't fully aware of what to expect. Um, and the reality is that most students are interested in letting you know what they think. It's not confrontational for them to have a whiteboard with a question on it. And we had students that would walk, walk by on the other side of the path, 10, 20, 30 feet away from us, looking at the answer and stop looking at it. And you could tell that they wanted to, to say something. And all you had to do is hold up the marker and say, what do you think? And they would walk all the way across the yard just so they could put an answer on the board. And, um, and then we had other students that would actually walk up and ask us if they could engage in conversation about that. And there's a really interesting question. Why do you ask that? And so um, I think probably the biggest takeaway is that it's just, it's such a simple way to, to start a conversation. And because of you know, of the way that we go about that and asking questions and trying to develop a relationship and a, a level of trust with them, um, it, it makes the the approach so much easier. Uh, they would compare us with other groups that have gone on campus and were more uh, very forward and very aggressive in their evangelism uh, to the point of being very condemning and very critical, um, would not engage in conversation with students. They were just there to blast a message. Um, and I think our experience on both campuses was that that actually did far more damage than it did good. And we had several students on both, both campuses, thank us for being willing to actually have normal conversations with them and be interested in what they had to say. Uh, and that created an openness all in and of itself, um, to engage further conversation and, and, and a level of, uh, you know, trust that led to the gospel. So. Yeah, Trish, one of the uh, things that really sticks out to me was not only uh, the contrast that we got from uh, some of the maybe very aggressive street preacher types that they've seen on these campuses, 
but even some of the students who had participated in evangelism, but it was a method where they would go and they would do some sort of illustration or use something and they would start out. And then at, after they were done with their whole presentation, they would ask the individual and the contrast of the way we're going about it, where we're first getting to know them, uh, the, the student we're talking with and finding out who they are, what they think. Uh, that contrast really st stuck out to me and really goes to the heart of what we see as a biblical evangelism model of knowing your audience before you start to share Christianity. So maybe touch on that and what you saw, how fruitful you saw then, and how that approach works out. Yeah, I think it's really amazing when you start talking to students and they, they're they pretty open about admitting that they haven't really thought through something or that it's a pretty surface belief that they have. I mean, they'll just say, well, I, I don't know if I believe in God and I haven't really thought through it that much. Even though it's one of the biggest questions we can ask in life, they're pretty open about that. Or they'll just say, well, I think God is, you know, an energy. And then you, when you start digging into that a little bit, they're, they'll back off it pretty quickly, right? Yeah. So it's a pretty surface belief. And, and they'll engage in that conversation really, really um, readily. Um, but they, the conversation I had in particular with, with a student was that he, he was standing next to his buddy who was being engaged in a conversation by a colleague and he kind of had a smirk on his face. And so I, I waved him over and said, Hey, you know, you want to answer this question? And he said, well, sure. Um, I'm watching my buddy get roped into something. So I guess now I'm getting roped into this. <laughs> So I started talking to him and just trying to see what he believed and why he believed it. And a little while into the conversation, he says, well, this conversation is not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> right. And he said that two, a couple times to me as we just went through. He said he thought God was an energy. He didn't really know what he believed. And we just started. I just asked him what he believed, just had this reason conversation. I probably had a 40 minute conversation with him. And he he just kind of backed off that belief, just started kind of working through what his beliefs were, talked about the resurrection reliability of the, of the biblical manuscripts. And, you know, he, he wasn't trying to get away. He was just wanting to stand there and have that conversation. And, and I think if I would have hit him right away with the gospel, he, he would have really felt roped into something. Right. Um, rather than just, okay, this is an interesting conversation that I can have. And he admitted I've, I've never heard anything like this before. So I think that's a huge difference than, than if I would have just hit him with something and not found out where he was um, and then met him where he was. Yeah, and it even goes to what do these words mean if we haven't assessed where they are? So, so when we say, do you believe in God? And they say, yes, but then you find out that it's an energy. Well, that's a very different thing to be, to, if we say the gospel is, you know, that, that we've either sinned against God or we're separated from God, our relationship with God is broken. Well, what kind of relationship do you have with an energy, right? And so it's if if you don't take the time to clarify, uh, you can end up, I think, miscommunicating, not because you say anything wrong necessarily, but you have no idea the context into which you're speaking into. And I think that's the beauty of our approach. And, and it is great to have a long-term relationship with someone and be able to share. But I think people need to realize you can have a relationship to someone in one conversation. It's all in your approach. And so it might only be a 20 or 30 minute conversation, but when you start out asking them, finding out about them, what's their background, why do they think what they do, 
you're automatically taking a relational approach that they may have never seen. They may not have even had their Christian, you know, quote unquote, Christian friends take that type of approach in talking about those issues with them. And so it really takes the edge off. It makes it very natural. And you're just having a conversation. There are going to be the one or two that you have no idea what to do with. You know, we had a couple of pretty deep conversations that I think a lot of people would have been confused. But in the in the worst case scenario, you just keep asking questions. Oh, that's interesting. Where did you get that from? You know, who told you about that? How did you think through that? How would you know that's true? Um, you know, and that a lot of people just have never even been questioned on those things. And so it's not a matter of, well, you have to be really intelligent to go out there. You just have to be faithful and be willing to learn about someone and know how to ask a question such as, where did you hear that? Or why do you think that? Uh, which all of us are capable. And so it's really encouraging. Uh, what would be maybe a couple other stories that you guys would be interested to share? Uh, maybe, Bob, I'll go back to you first. Um, a conversation you had that really stuck out or that you saw something you witnessed? Um, well, there's there's really a couple. I think, you know, one, one other point I wanted to make, too, is that a lot of the students, more so at App State than at the University of Maine, but the students would say, well, I'm a Christian. And so we would ask them, well, that's great. Um, what does that mean? And ask them to try to articulate the gospel for us or explain what being a Christian means. And very, very few students were able to really explain to us what the gospel message alone was. And it was very clear that um, they considered themselves a Christian because they had grown up in a Christian home or they had a Bible in their home and uh, they had no concept of what what true Christianity was or uh, to, to have a, a confidence or a faith in Christ. And so uh, it just created tremendous opportunities there. But uh, one conversation in particular, in fact, it happened on the last evening. We had a Q and A um, for a couple of hours for students to come after the the three days of of outreach, and then come and ask any question that they wanted to of a panel. And there was a student. I was standing outside at the time, and there was a student that had walked in and listened for a few minutes and left. And so as he walked out, I asked him, you know, if if everything was okay, and he said, "Well, it's obviously not for me because they're they're answering questions that I don't have." And, um, and so we started to talk and I found out that, that he said he was an atheist and came from a family of atheists. And so, uh, he wasn't in a hurry. He ended up sitting down and we talked for 35 or 40 minutes. And as, as I began to share with him and ask questions, um, he kept saying, I've never heard these things before. And so I shared the gospel with him and, and, um, you know, had an opportunity to talk in, at length and, you know, when he finally had to go, he stood up and he 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 kind of paused and looked at me and he said, "You know, you've really given me a lot of a lot of things to think about." And he said, "Thank you so much. I've never heard any of this before." And he said, "This this has been incredibly helpful for me tonight." And so, you know, that kind of conversation re was repeated multiple times with students where they actually heard the gospel message probably for the first time really clearly and really clearly understood it and. You know, they're like Matt said, there's some of the students that we left that are wrestling with what does this really mean for me? And, yeah. uh, you know, for, for a lot of them, we encouraged them to uh, to get a Bible. We had Bibles available. We gave several students Bibles and yep. encouraged them to read through the book of John. And, and um, you know, I've got a list of names that I am praying for regularly and, and actually have reached out to some of the students that I talked with and 
And so it's not like we're, it's just kind of a splash and dash. We, right. we're going to stay engaged with them. And we've, we've got people there that, that have committed to, to connect with them, to follow up and, and uh, pursue those conversations as well. So. Yeah, that's an important add-on to be really clear about is we were working with some ministries on the ground that uh, are campus ministries at those universities and, and the campus minister. And then we formed sort of a coalition around them uh, as best as we were able. Uh, we had a little bit more up in Maine than we did at App State, but we had a variety of churches and individuals who were going to be able to do one-on-one follow-ups after our team leaves. And so it really is something where we're trying to be a catalyst, both in the lives, the individual lives of those who were helping to train and equip, and also in the lives of the students uh, that we were able to interact with, and that this is just a starting point. Uh, I know at um, App State, they already do some fairly consistent outreach, and so I think this should motivate them to do that a little more. And up in Maine, uh, our contact there, Travis Pelletier, who's with a college ministry called Rashi Christie, that uh, he's going to start doing a weekly whiteboard. And he, I think by the time we left, he had about six people who said they wanted to join him on a regular basis to be a part of that. So um, it is exhausting. Uh, this three days of doing this, you know, from 10 to 5 or 10 to 3 even, is not, uh, it's not for the faint of heart to do it that long, uh, that many days in a row. Uh, and so it's something consistently you could do, you know, half a day, maybe one day a week. Um, and you have so much fruit. I think uh, at Maine alone, we had about 50 individuals to be followed up with. Uh, and so it really does bear a lot of fruit. It gives the people on the ground a lot of encouragement and, and opportunities to do a lot of ministry. So one other well, thing Trish, that too that, okay, I, yeah, that I think was really cool is that we had um, two pastors that joined us in Maine, yeah. at the University of Maine, and spent um, spent a full day with us and engaged in conversations with us and and on their own. And it was really encouraging for them. And there's some of their people were there and I can't, you know, I, I can't help but think how powerful that is for their people to see their pastor. there actually doing that and engaging right. in those conversations and, and getting excited about sharing the gospel that way. And it, it's just a further um, affirmation, of the importance of it. And the fact that, um, that they, they want to be a kind of an example and in, in leading their people on. Yep. Well, Travis and some of those pastors and a lot of the individuals said pretty much all independently, all of them had asked if we could come back again next year. And so I think we're pretty well booked to do that uh, about the same time of year next year because there's so much interest. Uh, but the, yeah, it was really encouraging to see. And, and I hope next year we get even more pastors involved. And, and with that, we'll get more of the people from those churches. Uh, Trish, what would be uh, one or two stories that were really powerful for you? Yeah, I guess um, the one I mentioned was was Big one. pretty powerful. I spoke with another young lady who was a Muslim, and sh- and that's not an area of expertise for me. I know some of it. I've read a little bit about um, uh, evangelization uh, to Muslims, but I'm not an expert at all. But you mentioned earlier that if you if you're going out and you don't know what to say, to ask questions, and so. Um, I did default to that quite a bit with her. Um, and it, I think it made her more comfortable as well. She was very careful. She didn't want to offend me um, at all by asking questions. So she was asking me questions. I was asking her questions. Um, but I did know my Bible. And so I was able to kind of, by asking her questions and being careful not to offend her, have quite a lengthy conversation. And she gave me her contact information so we, we could stay in touch. She's an exchange student from Egypt. 
Um, so that was uh, meaningful for me to be able to have that conversation with her. Um, the other thing that that I thought was really neat to see was that everyone, our team, as well as the volunteers that came out, had a different style of talking to people. So we tended to attract different types of people that we talked to and had we had one person to, that tended to be a very loving and caring person. And so she just tended to kind of have these loving and caring conversations with people and came alongside a couple people that were just kind of lonely, needed someone to talk to. Uh, and I thought that was pretty unique. Um, and we have multiple stories like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They could just pile up. I had another student I was interacting with who said he couldn't be a Christian because there's no way he could believe that a man could survive in the belly of a fish or a whale. And so talking about the Jonah story. And while there's reasons to believe that story as a Christian, to believe God could do something like that, for someone who hasn't accepted that God does miracles in the world, it's going to be a lot harder to get them to consider that first. And so I said, well, let's first consider what do you make of the historical evidence for the resurrection of Jesus? And then you consider those other stories afterwards. So it's it's certainly not diminishing. It's not a, uh, a rewriting or a white coating the Bible. It's not hiding from those stories, but it's emphasizing what is primary. And over and over again in the New Testament, what we see focused on is the resurrection. That's the primary. Everything else comes after that. And so we can take that same approach when we're doing evangelism. We can take that same approach when talking with people about Christianity. And that's one of the big things I took away. Overall, just incredible um, two, three-day outreaches. Uh, the Q&A sessions were great. Uh, a lot of Christians encouraged that couldn't articulate the gospel. A lot of people who are questioning, given a lot to continue to think on and, and ponder going forward. And very motivating for our team and the volunteers. For some of these people who've never done anything like this, they were just blown away. And, and in the coming weeks, we'll have some videos from people and stories, and we'll do podcasts going forward with people who participated that could not believe how open students were to talking. And so we look forward to continuing these types of events and others like it. Look forward to continuing getting more and more people involved when we do these and uh, are eager to see what God has in store. So uh, Bob and Trish, really appreciate you guys being on, sharing your stories and look forward to talking more in depth uh, in the near future on these issues. Once again, thanks for tuning in to Engage Your World and we look forward to being with you next time. Take care and God bless.